Amen. If I take his coat off, I'm a little nervous about that man that getting fidgety back there in the back. So uh, he starts passing out back there. Robbie, you carry him on out, okay? You'll do that. Our text today is in a, starting with the book of Ephesians. We'll read one verse there and then over to Philippians. So Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4. And when you get to 4, just turn to left and go to Ephesians 3 because that's where it actually is. This is kind of like a treasure hunt. So, uh, we'll look at verse 14. Paul's pronouncing a prayer uh, for the people of. be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. So now let's turn to Philippians chapter 4, I believe. (laughs) And we'll start with verse um, 4. Let's start with verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your forbearing spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Are you known for a forbearing spirit, a patient spirit? Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. This is a very good prayer verse. Verse 6. What's the result of this prayer? The peace of God which passes all understanding or comprehension shall guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right. Now here's a list of things to set your mind on, okay? These are are focuses of your prayer life and of your life. Whatever is true, honorable, right, pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence or anything worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on these things. The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace shall be with you. How do you get that peace? Well, you pray. You, you, um, you pray by not being anxious and letting your requests be made known to God. Let Him know your deepest heart. And then you begin to dwell on the things that are good and true and pure, things that are of good repute and excellence. You perhaps pick out someone that you know is living a 
a life of peace that you can perceive and you see the things in their life, you use them as models. You got somebody in your life that you can look at and say, this is somebody that really shows me a life of peace. Finally, brethren, uh, whatever, well, let's see, down to verse, where are we at? Verse 10. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last you've revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned about me because you lacked opportunity. You were concerned. You'd heard about me, but you really couldn't find a way to help me. And Not that I speak from want. I'm not speaking because I'm having self-pity here. I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I'm in. So Paul's saying, you know, wherever I'm at, good, bad, ugly, I have learned to find a way to be content. And that's, a, that's a good way to be able to be. He said, I know how to get along with humble means. And in, every, in, in er, any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of being filled and going hungry. Both of having abundance and suffering need. And here's the verse I want us to key on. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. Let's bow for a prayer for a moment. Lord, we thank You now for Your Word. and uh, God, we're seeking from Your Word today, God, to find that, that uh, what seems to be so elusive in our time, the matter of peace within ourselves and peace with God. And Father, I pray you'll just watch over our thoughts and our minds and apply those things, God, to all of us, including myself, that, God, we need to hear today. In Jesus' name, amen. There is a hunger and a thirst in mankind. God has made us that way. There is, there is an uh, uh, insatiable appetite for something. We work hard. Sometimes at a hectic pace to attain it. Uh, Time Magazine quotes one man's hunger as a hunger for peace. A hunger for peace. One man wrote it this way. He said, my life is hectic. I'm running all day meetings, phone calls, paperwork, appointments. I push myself to the limit. I fall in bed. I'm exhausted. Get up early the next morning, do it all over again. My output is tremendous. I'm getting a lot done, but I get this feeling in me sometimes. So what? So what? What does all this mean? What are you doing, he said to himself, that really counts? He said, I have to admit, I don't know. What about us? Are you pushing harder, working longer, achieving, consuming, going, going, and then asking yourself at the end of the day, so what? What, is this, what does this mean? Neil Waring in his book, Finding Contentment, says that many believers seek contentment through what he calls happiness highs. We're looking for happiness highs. Like that man we just mentioned. We leapfrog from one activity to another or one relationship to another or one acquisition to the next acquisition, and still that peace that we seem to be seeking, we cannot find. Many times there's boredom and there's emptiness. There's a frustrating, frustration with our job. There's frustration with our mates. And we wonder if we can even be together. 
There's feelings of loneliness. There's, uh, we purchase something and we find that the satisfaction wears off hardly before we get home with it. We spend billions and billions of dollars as a country, as a nation, selling ourselves the myth that if we purchase this thing, it's going to make a difference. This is going to be the thing that brings us lasting happiness. And so we find that really indulging all our appetites, buying, eating, drinking, whatever, really doesn't give us a lasting sense of that contentment and peace that Paul was talking about. I've learned to be content, he said, in whatever circumstances. We set goals for ourselves. We think we will attain them and we'll have that contentment that we're looking for. And the problem is they just don't do it. We have the secret of the power of contentment in our life. And that is through the Holy Spirit of God. And through Christ's presence. Sometimes we're like the man who got in to start his car and nothing happens and gets in like many of us today, you know, to open that hood. We don't really know what to do when we open that hood, but uh, we opened the hood. He opened the hood. He found his motor was gone. Somebody stole his motor. And we wonder when we look under the hood of our heart, our life, if somebody stole our power, somebody stole our motor, what's missing in our life? I've used this picture many times because as a child it made such an impression on me. Uh, growing up, Jane and I both grew up down south of Spartanburg and Glendale, and the prominent feature in Glendale used to be the mill that was there, a great big old mill, one of the oldest in the county down there, and it uh, many years ago burned. The other very prominent feature of that, of that area, and this is about it for, for that area, was the dam itself. And it was, a, it was an unusually constructed dam, and so it, uh, when the water ran over it, and, the, and Lawson Fork Creek ran into it, and so the water was always running over the top of it, and it really frothed and made a lot of, uh, made a beautiful fall coming down. And so uh, many times we would... Uh, go out there and look at that, and you really couldn't see much except that because there was uh, kudzu everywhere. So we, we never knew what was down that river. I mean, I, we lived there a long time. You could never see this river because there was kudzu all over it. They've cut all that back now, and they've made it a sort of a, a park-like area. But um, I used to look at that, and when I look at this dam, I would think, there's power. There's power. And I was paying attention to this water frothing over the top, you know, and splashing and coming down with a rush. That's what I was looking at. But you know what? That wasn't the power. That was just water running over the top, going on downstream. The power was down inside that dam. And there it would turn the turbines that brought power to that mill over there when it was operating. And so it was down deep inside. It's not always what we see. One of the obvious things to us outside is what's down deep inside, what's in our heart, what's in our life. And the devil comes in and plays with us too. 
don't know if he gives you, gives you problems, but he stays after me most regularly. I said, you know, you can say something good about everybody. Even the devil's good at what he does, right? He's a tempter. And he comes in and he whispers the things that, that when we listen to them, we find we'll never have peace. He'll whisper things like, you know you're, you can't do this. Billy, we, we try to honor Billy a little bit, and Billy's always like, oh, I'm nothing, I'm nothing, you know, this is all, you know, don't, don't shine a light on me. And sometimes he does, he does us all this way, Billy. Uh, sometimes he tells us, you know, you're really not worthy. Well, in a way, it's true, it's true. But through the grace of God and the forgiveness of Christ and the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life, we still can serve the Lord. But the devil say, you can't do this. You can't do that. You know, somebody will ask us to do something perhaps in the church family, and the devil comes and say, you can't do that. Don't you, don't you take that on. It's not something you can do. There's not, you can't serve the Lord. You better not stick your head up. You better stay low. He'll, he'll tell us things, you know, to what's, uh, what you might call his downers. He's got a whole list of them. I'm sure he's... He's, got, he's used more than that on you and me. He wants to convince us that we're going to fail. And he worked on Paul. You know, he put Paul through every kind of circumstance you could imagine. He had opposition from uh, the enemy. He had opposition from his friends. He found uh, that wherever he went and tried to preach the gospel, yes, there would be some success there. There'd be some group there that would listen and accept the Lord, but it'd also be those that are ready to run him out of town or put him in prison. Most of Paul's letters, there are many of them in the Bible, are written from prison. And, you know, Paul, he would get in there and uh, people would be anxious for him. The churches would be anxious for him. They'd send people down to him, try to encourage him, write him letters and such as that. And uh, Paul said, you know, this is early in Philippians, he said, uh, yes, there's people here uh, in opposition. He says, some of them are even preaching the gospel, mocking me. They're, they're doing mockery in the gospel. The world's good at that, you know. They know how to mock us. He said, they're mocking the Lord. He said, but I don't care. He said, if they're, if they're even mocking, preaching the name of Jesus, I'm good with it. It's all the more to get the name of Jesus out. He'd be chained between two guards and he would take that as an opportunity to, to share the love of Christ with them and let them see something down in his heart. So Paul, he said here, he said, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. What is it you're facing in your life? You fill in the blank. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. There are uh, there are many things that might be what we call symbols of the Holy Spirit. And I think I've told this story once before, but I forgot about it, so maybe you did too. <laughs> but there was an explorer who went up to the North Pole, and uh, he was actually the one who discovered the, what's called the magnetic, magnetic, magnetic meridian. Uh, and... Uh, on one of his trips, he took a homing pigeon with him, and when he got to the top of the world, he opened the cage and set it free, and that pigeon flew straight to where he was from in Norway, to his house, 
his wife uh, looked, at, looked up from the doorway of her house and she saw that pigeon circling in the air and then finally land and she says, he's alive, he's alive, he's alive. Jesus says, he said, I will send the Holy Spirit. He told his disciples, he said, I'm not going to be with you physically forever, but I will. He said, after the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you shall receive power. And His Holy Spirit is with us. This is, He's unseen. Jesus said it's like the wind. He's here. There's a presence. He's in this room today where two or three are gathered. In His midst, there is He in, the, in our midst. And, and, and so the Holy Spirit is with us, empowering us just when you need Him most. You may not feel Him all the time, but when you get to the place of need, he said, I will, I will strengthen you. I know I've, I go to the hospital a lot, and you know, I'm around all kinds of different sicknesses and things that happen to people and different things. And I try not to, I try not to ever go in with any kind of opinion about a patient's, a patient's what they're going through. I'm not going to go in there and you know, try to paint some kind of picture from my experience in the past. I just let the Lord work and the doctors work. I'm not there to be a doctor. I'm there to be an encourager. And so we, you know, we go through this together. I've seen a lot of people with different heart things, and I know they have these what they call heart pacers sometimes. They'll stick in there. Some of you in here probably have one. Uh, so if I get it wrong, don't have a heart attack on me or anything like that. Uh, but... Uh, as long as the heart, I think it's the way it works. <laughs> you can check me out on this, Evelyn. Don't call me down too bad, though. As long as the heart's working all right, I think it, the pacemaker's there. It just sort of sits in there and monitors the situation. But if something kind of goes a little wrong or something slows down or maybe or flitters in a way it shouldn't, that pacemaker will pop in and do its little work and get, set things back to normal. You know, the Holy Spirit is here with us. He's not with us to do everything that we possibly need to do. He's given us a mind. He's given us hands. He's given us heart. He's given us compassion. He's given us, he's given us everything for us to use to His glory. But there'll be times in our life when we will hit a snag. And the devil will come and say, you finally, you know, you finally reached this point. This is going to be it. It's all over. You can't, you can't, you can't, you can't. And the Holy Spirit comes into your heart and breathes a word to you of encouragement. I can do all things, Paul said, through Him that strengthens me. He's not talking about I can jump over the moon or fly or anything like that. He's talking about the things that have to do with His life and His ministry and those around Him that He's seeking to do. I can do all things through Him that strengthens me. You know, in the last uh, many months, six months or so, um, God's, God's given me something in the last six months that I never, I really never have experienced. And, and I, I really hate it that it's taken this long for me to get a certain kind of peace. But uh, long story short, you know, I was kind of hitting a crisis and was just 
basically worn out. You know, you can, you can do a whole lot sometimes and, and a lot of times do it in the flesh, do the best you can to try to, you know, meet all the needs. And I just kind of reached a, reached a wall, you might say. And uh, I really didn't know, I didn't know what the future would hold. I mean, I've, I've grind, I, you know, could grind around, grind along. The Lord was helping all of us. He's helping all of us. But I, I sure didn't have the kind of peace that's been talked about right here. And um, whatever happened, somewhere along the line, God gave me a peace. And if I knew how to explain it, bottle it up, I'd tell it to you. It might have just been he brought me to a place where he needed to break me down. I talked to another pastor about my age the other day, and we were talking about this. And he, he said for him, he said the Lord literally had to take him apart and put him back together again. So I don't, I, I, I don't know if that's the way it actually happened with me. But whatever it was, it's been, it's been a good many months back. And um, I've shared with two or three of you about this. But God gave me a peace. And I'm not rushing anymore. You know, I'm not feeling like I've got to beat everybody to first base every time. I'm not trying to steal second. <laughs> if I slide in home, I'm going to try not to slide. But God's given me a certain kind of peace, Billy. And uh, if something comes along in the week that piles up my week, something like that, um, I'm just going to take one day at a time and try not to worry. And for the most part, I'm still, I'm a worrier by nature, so it's not like I can't worry. But for the most part, I've been able just to have a peace about it by just taking a day at a time. I don't know what that has meant to the ministry here. I mean, I've, you know, I'm not as fast as I used to be. I can't get around quite like I used to and all those things. And there might be times I forget something. You know, I write down everything twice, best I can. Uh, I've got a piece of paper on the back of my phone. I write on it. It's on the back side of my phone. You know, just to try to remember and what's going on, what's happening. But I will say this, that, and this is before I took this little time off. The time off was just part of my commitment to say I'm going to slow down. And... Um, Spend more time with my wife. Just take a little life a little slower. Put all the work on William I can, that kind of thing. The deacons, I mean, all of you, you know, when I was gone, did so much. It was wonderful. Appreciate you. Sunday school classes, teachers, everybody. But just to say that I don't even know where it come from except the hand of God. And um, I'm thankful for it. I don't know, I don't know, I wish I could tell you what happened. But uh, God's given me a certain kind of peace now. And so this passage here talks about that. It talks about, you know, casting all your care on Him. It talks about, you know, being anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. 
Just let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your heart and mind through Christ Jesus your Lord. So um, I wasn't really thinking about talking about this this morning, but my prayer is for you, where you are. A lot of you are younger. You're in teenage years right now. And, you know, life is, is, is really full. It's full of emotion. It's full of, of, um, of eagerness, growing and going, pressures. I just want to advise you to be patient and wait on the Lord. And let the Lord give you the time to do the things in your life that He wants to do. And the same with young adults. I know some of you are caught up right now in really busy times in your life right now, trying to, trying to make a living. I certainly understand it. I know that the things I've been dealing with are not just unique to me. I know you have them. You have the same, same kind of matters in your life. Parents and, and um, grandparents and children, all of us do. So, um, will you bow with me now? And, and um, I want you to repeat after me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So, Father, this morning, uh, we want to say to you, we put our trust in you. In Jesus' name, name. amen. 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 We'll sing a hymn here together. Matter of fact, I think today I'll just have the instrumentalist to come and play. So if you'll come instrumentalist and just play for us this morning. Got one already here. And uh, let's stand. And if the Lord's moved on your heart this morning, a particular matter in your heart, you want to make a decision to turn over to the Lord, or whatever this message has spoken to your heart in a way, you want to make a commitment to the Lord. Let's stand together, and as this, as they play this hymn today, let's just uh, let's just pray together and, and uh, listen to the Spirit of God today. Okay.